Hey everyone, this is Johnny Martinez, pastor of Restoration Church, and welcome to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Hey, Restoration Church, welcome, welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you are here with us this morning. It's Pastor Johnny here, and just want to say that we love each and every one of you. We miss you guys, and we hope that you are doing well today. Uh, turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37 this morning. What I want to do today uh, is actually going to be a little bit different. Uh, I actually want to take a one-week break from our current habits series. Uh, what I want to do is I really just want to share from my heart um, regarding what's been going on in our world today. It is very easy just to turn on the TV or the news or get on the computer, or your phone and social media and just, it's easy to see the conflict and the chaos that is going on today, and uh, I just really want to focus in on that. God has been working in my heart, um, and it's really just a week where I can just share what God has been telling me and encourage you with what God has been telling me. So, again, turn with me to Matthew or Luke. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. Uh, let's just go ahead and read that right now. It says this. It says, "And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. But he, designed to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's just take a moment to pray uh, before we continue. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this story, story that many of us are familiar with. And God, I pray today that you would help us maybe see a, a new perspective, uh, come at it from a new perspective. And 
And God, really work in our lives. Really show us how to love in a chaotic and dark world. And I pray that you would illuminate our hearts, God, and just work in us and show us, God, those areas in our lives where we might need some pruning. God, work in us through the power of your spirit and work in us mightily, God. Pray that your word would speak to us, that it would inspire us, that it would challenge us, and that it would encourage us to be obedient and fully devoted followers of you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, like I was saying, uh, I really want to just take a week break to just share with you what's on my heart. Um, You know, lately things have just been a little crazy and chaotic in our world, actually for the past few months. And uh, I've just been kind of really wrestling with... um, a few things and really been asking God, God, what are you calling me to do during this season? God, what are you calling me to do as a pastor? What are you calling me to do as a Christ follower? Uh, how should I respond to um, the things that are going on in our world? How should we respond as a church to a lot of the things that are going on in the world? And simply put, Jesus said, hey, you got to love you got to love people and you got to love people unconditionally. And that's that's what God has called me to do. And the truth is that if I could be honest for a second here, the last couple of months have been a little difficult for me at times to love certain people. Uh, and, and, and there have been many, many times and multiple times where I've had to go before the Lord and uh, ask for forgiveness, repent of some sins that, and some thoughts that I have uh, had towards a certain group of people or multiple people or a certain person or whatever it is. And it's, I wish I could sit up here or stand up here and tell you that it's been easy for me to love all people. Uh, but there's some times where uh, where it's difficult for me to love. And if you're anything like me, human, you can uh, you can relate. You know, there's sometimes where I'm just pretty angry. There's sometimes where things that are going on in our world are kind of, you know, bring me down and, and heartbreaking and sad. But man, it's just kind of been one of those things for me where uh, God is just calling me to love, to love people regardless of who they are, to love people unconditionally in the same way that he loved me. And church, I believe that he is not only calling me as your pastor to love people unconditionally, he's also calling you. He's calling us uh, to love people unconditionally, to love people with everything that we have. And you see, uh, this message really comes from what I've seen over the past few months, uh, especially when I open up my social media and just kind of scroll and see what people are posting. There's a lot of believers that are Uh, posting great things, uh, that are doing great things, um, encouraging people, uh, being the light of the world in the darkness, uh, giving people hope, uh, and being gracious with people. And I see a lot of that, and that's awesome. I love it. And I also saw the other side, though. Uh, I've seen a lot of believers. I've seen a lot of believers Christians um, just post things and say things and do things that are not loving and not loving at all. And 
what I've seen over the the past couple of weeks and the past couple of months, it's just to me, it's very heartbreaking and it's very sad. And it's um, uh, sometimes I do get a little angry at what I see some believers post. Uh, you see, we're supposed to respond to things in this world with love. Uh, and a lot of the things that I see uh, are unloving. They're not loving at all. I see actually a lot of hatred coming from believers. I see impatience. I see uh, harshness in a lot of the posts on social media. I see like, I sense that there's a, a lack of control or discipline when posting certain things. I often see some rude comments, offensive comments, and even vulgar comments. See a lot of disrespectful, insensitive, sarcastic, condescending, and even arrogant comments coming from believers. And when I look at that, it is heartbreaking because when I look at the way many of us have responded and I look at what scripture says, like they just don't match up. Things don't add up. They don't fall uh, in line with one another because scripture says that we should be kind. We should be patient. We should be gentle. We should love. We should be self-controlled. Uh, we should be people of discipline. We should be people who create peace, not create division. But that's what I've seen a lot lately. And so here's my goal. My goal is to encourage you to love based off this passage this morning, to encourage you to love and to really remind you of why we should love, to encourage you to love and to remind you why we should love and we should love people unconditionally. So uh, Luke chapter 10, I read through the story. I just want to really dive in this morning, dive in. And I hope that you would see something new and something different in this story that might encourage you, might encourage you and challenge you in uh, this, the times that we are living today. So we see this lawyer who is testing Jesus and he asked Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And essentially Jesus uh, responds with the question and he says, well, really, what, how do you interpret the law? What do you think it says? And, and so the lawyer says, well, I should love the Lord with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind and, and love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, hey, that's true. Now go and do this. Now, I, I believe Jesus's response really stung the lawyer a little bit uh, because Jesus, what he's really telling the lawyer is, hey, your answer is correct. You have the right answer, he says. You should love God and your neighbor. But also his question implies that the lawyer is not living out uh, and fulfilling this law. He knows what he should do. But he's really not doing it. Jesus says, hey, you're right. Your answer is right. But now go and do it. And so I think that Jesus really put this self-righteous lawyer on the spot. I really did. I, Jesus is talking with the lawyer, his disciples, and there's other people listening in. And, and Jesus put this lawyer on the hot seat. And so what does the lawyer do next? Uh, verse 29 says this. He says, but he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is, who's my neighbor? 
Who is my neighbor? And so not only is this lawyer trying to recover from the embarrassment that just occurred, uh, he is trying to present himself as a righteous person uh, in front of other people, in front of uh, the crowd. Uh, And so then he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Uh, In essence, what he's really saying is, who should I love? Uh, Where should I draw the line? Who is my non-neighbor? And who can I withhold love to? And so uh, apparently uh, there was a lot of debate about the definition of neighbor. Some people thought that neighbor was a fellow covenant-keeping Jew only. Uh, Some thought it was actually uh, uh, the definition for neighbor included all Gentiles or non-Jewish people. Uh, Some thought it was only okay to include Gentiles who became Jewish uh, as neighbors. They were classified as neighbors. And actually, some Jewish leaders excluded non-practicing Jews uh, from the definition of neighbor. And so there was a lot of debate about really who was uh, my neighbor. And so the lawyer then, he expects Jesus to respond with, uh, well, it's your family and friends, obviously. And, and he expects Jesus to respond that way so that uh, the lawyer can say, well, I've already done that. I've already loved my neighbor. I loved my friends and I loved my family. So then he can get a good job from Jesus. He could get a certificate, a ribbon of, of loving people. And so that the lawyer can look like a self-righteous person in front of Jesus and in front of everyone. But as we see in verse 30 through 32, Jesus responds by telling him of a story, a response through a parable. Now, this is very interesting because anytime that Jesus responds uh, uh, with a question or anytime that Jesus responds using a story, you, you got to be careful. You know, you, you messed up. All right? You're about to get schooled. You're about to get taken to school by Jesus. And so that's what Jesus does. He responds with this story in verse 30. He says this. So Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. So we have this man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it was about a 17-mile journey. And this route uh, was actually known to have a lot of robbers in it. So it's, it's, it was very common for things like this to happen down this road. And so these robbers, they stripped this man of his clothes and all of his belongings. They beat him. They left him half dead. And so because this man's clothing was taken away, because this man was beaten basically to a bloody pulp, and because he was left mute, you couldn't really tell uh, what race or origin this man was. And I think that Jesus does that on purpose because really the focus of this story is not on the man who was robbed, but on the good Samaritan. And so then Jesus introduces the next two characters in the story. Uh, 
He says that a priest and a Levite, uh, they were also making that journey and they saw this man. They saw this, this man. Now, the priest uh, had certain responsibilities in the, in the temple in Jerusalem, and the Levite was kind of like his assistant. And so priests, uh, they were viewed as uh, really kind of the upper stratum in Jewish society, and a group was, was very pious and righteous and uh, law-obeying. And so perhaps in this story, maybe the priest and the Levite, were, they were coming down uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho after working, and so they were just on their way back uh, after they finished their work and they were kind of headed home. Uh, Jericho was actually one of a city, a city was that was that had a lot of um, priests in it. Uh, it had the largest population of priests outside of Jerusalem. Now, the text tells us that when they saw this man, this half-beaten, bloody, naked man, that when they saw him, they actually passed on the other side. Uh, this phrase to pass on the other side really has this idea of steering clear or steering away from a person. It's kind of like when like when you have to go to the grocery store and you don't want to get ready and just kind of put on a hat or whatever. You go to the grocery store real fast and you're just praying. You're just praying and praying like, I hope I don't see anyone I know. And you're just trying to steer away from every single person that you see. You're kind of going through every aisle, hiding, hoping that you don't see uh, you know, someone that you know. You're just kind of steering away from people. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And so that's what these guys did. They steered away. They, they saw him, but they're like, uh-uh, we're going to go the other way. We're going to pass by. And so the reason why they steered away from this man is because Jewish law considered dead corpses unclean. And so it explains why they didn't want to touch this man. And it ex explains the, way that they, the, way that, uh, the reason why they responded that way. You see, both of these men served in the temple, and they were highly concerned with purity, the ritual and religious purity. And so if they touched this man or if this man died in their hands, they were to be considered unclean for seven days. But this display here by the priest and the Levite, man, it was callous. It was callous on their part to pass by a, a, a a fellow image bearer and not help him and not administer any aid to him. It was callous to not show any love or mercy towards him. And so what Jesus does next is scandalous. It is scandalous. Jesus is about to introduce the next character in his story. Now, now here's the thing the lawyer and the crowd that was around Jesus, they, they kind of had an idea of what the next character was going to be. Uh, they kind of had an idea of the next character that Jesus was going to introduce. They actually thought that Jesus was going to introduce uh, a, a fellow Israelite, just a regular Jewish person. You see, the reason why is because this was the social hierarchy of the Jewish people. It was the priests, the Levites, and the people of Israel. And so in, in the Old, in Old Testament, we kind of see that uh, in many places. Let me just give you one example. 
example, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 30 says this, And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priest and the Levites and the people, both great and small, uh, as priests, Levites, and the Israelite people. So they thought that the next guy, he had to be a fellow Jewish person, a fellow Jewish man. He was going to be the hero in the story, but Jesus says, nope, that's not him. Uh, look at what Jesus says next in verse 33. He says, but a Samaritan, uh-oh, this is bad. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This is scandalous. This is scandalous that it's a Samaritan and not a fellow Israelite. I mean, those are fighting words. Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. The Jews considered Samaritans outsiders and non-neighbors. You see, there was a lot of animosity and a lot of hatred towards each other. Let me just give you a quick history. You see, the, Jewish, the, the Jews viewed Samaritans as half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile. So in 722 BC, the Assyrians conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And after conquering the northern kingdom of, of Israel, uh, some of these Jews were exiled. And so what the Assyrian king did, he would then bring in people to repopulate Samaria. And so the, the Jews that stayed in Samaria, because there were a few, and in the surrounding places, they intermarried with the Assyrians. Uh, and so that's where this whole half Jew, half Gentile or non-Jew uh, comes in. Um, and so the merging of these two people groups really caused the Samaritans to adopt a lot of pagan religion and rituals and practices. So they really had this like Jewish and idolatrous uh, religion, essentially. The Samaritans, though, they, they claimed to be the true descent, descendants of the native Israelites. Uh, they had their own copies of uh, the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. They rejected the historical books of the Old Testament. They rejected the, the writings of the, uh, the prophets. Uh, they also claimed that the true temple uh, was located in Samaria and Mount Gerizim and not in Jerusalem like the Jews believed and practiced. You know, other sources of conflict um, just really escalated uh, from 135 to 104 BC, several Samaritan cities were attacked and the Samaritan temple was actually torn down and destroyed. In AD 6 through 9, a group of Samaritans uh, actually infiltrated the temple in Jerusalem during the Passover, during one of the most important times in the Jewish calendar. They infiltrated the temple and they what they did was they had human bones and they spread, they, they kind of threw out these human bones all over the temple, desecrating the temple. I mean, this is a big, 
big deal. And so the, the Jewish priest had to shut down the temple because these Samaritans desecrated. This is an abomination to the temple. Not only that, but many Samaritans were excluded from the temple. I mean, you know, that's okay. And uh, a lot of them, they could not even be witnesses in court. I mean, a Samaritan couldn't be a witness uh, in, in court. They were considered liars. One Jewish rabbi actually uh, was quoted saying this, or he wrote this. He said this. And these are, again, you can see the animosity and the hatred. He says, um, he that eats the bread of the Samaritans is like one who eats the flesh of swine. He that eats the bread of the Samaritans is like one who eats the bread of swine. Man, that's, that's fighting words. One last thing. The public Samaritan toilets were off limits to the Jews because the Jews believed and said that the Samaritans would actually take miscarried babies and throw them in the toilets. And they were considered unclean. Obviously, the Samaritans denied that. But I mean, this is just a glimpse of the animosity, the hatred, the, the disrespectful words, unloving, unkind words that they spoke to each other and against one another. And so that is why it was such a big deal that it was the Samaritan that came in to help. Now, notice what the Samaritan didn't do in this story. He didn't go up to the man that was half dead and say, well, hey, are you a, a Jew or are you a Samaritan? He didn't go up to him and say, hey, are you a Levite or a priest? Or He didn't care what, what ethnicity, where are you from? He didn't ask him anything. He just helped him. The text actually tells us that this Samaritan had compassion on him. And this word compassion is a feeling, this intense feeling in one's own gut uh, of deep empathy for someone else. That's what compassion is. Like, for example, like whenever, uh, have you ever heard of, uh, have you ever received bad news? Uh, some really bad news from a family member or a friend or a coworker or whatever it is, and your stomach just drops and it hurts, like literally hurts. That's what the word compassion is. A deep gut-wrenching empathy for someone else. And this is what the Samaritan felt towards the man. The text tells us that he went to the man after seeing him, after having compassion, he went to him unlike the Levite and the priests who steered away. Then after going to him, the text tells us that he bound up his wounds and poured oil and wine on the man's wounds. The Samaritan used his own resources to take care of the man. And then he goes a step further. Uh, he actually picks up the man, he sets him on his animal, and he takes him to the inn to take care of him. Now, just think about that for one second. This man is bloody. He's beat up, half dead. The Samaritan comes up to him, bounds, you know, bounds up his wounds, puts oil and, and, and wine and, and cleans him up a little bit, and he picks him up and puts him on his animal. I mean, the Samaritan, he was bloody. He was covered in blood. 
that after he puts up on his animal, he walks to the inn alongside of this man. Again, it was 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. Who knows how long uh, the journey was? But I could imagine either way he had to walk. He had to walk alongside. Then when he finally got to the inn, the Samaritan didn't just drop him off and say, all right, well, this is the end of the road. Good luck. See you later. You know, best of luck, man. He, he didn't do that. He didn't just drop him off. The text tells us that he actually took care of him and he took care of him through the night. The Samaritan goes even a step further in the morning. The Samaritan took, uh, he, 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 um, he gave to the innkeeper two denarii. And he said, hey, you know what? Here's two denarii and make sure this guy gets taken care of. And, and if you have to spend more than when I come back, uh, then I'll repay you. So two denarii was about three weeks worth of food for one person or about 1% of a family's income. Now just think about it. Think about three weeks worth of your pay that you would have to give to a man to take care of him. And then not, not only that, not only three weeks pay, but the Samaritan, he, he, he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay all of your expenses. No limits. Just take care of him, whatever it takes. And when I come back, I'll pay for it. No limits. Man, the love, the compassion, the mercy that the Samaritan displayed costed him time, effort, money. And, and the Samaritan was even risking his life. What if there was robbers around trying to ambush him? He was risking his own life. Love cost. And, and the Samaritan, man, he, he displayed love without boundaries and love without limits. Love without boundaries and love without minutes. And here's my favorite part of this story. Verses 36 and 37, Jesus then responds to the lawyer. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, this is my favorite part, and here's why. We, begin, we began the story with the lawyer asking Jesus the question, uh, who is my neighbor? Who should I love? But Jesus now really flipped that question on its head. I mean, he turned the lawyer's world upside down. And now it's Jesus asking the question. And, it's, and Jesus, by asking the question, uh, he was really asking him, um, you know, it, it wasn't about who is my neighbor, really. It's about asking, how can I neighbor? It's not about, it's not about asking, who do I love? It's about asking, how do I love? The lawyer, he began by saying, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, how are you going to neighbor? Love, church, love doesn't ask who, but how. Love doesn't ask who, but how. It's not who should I love, but how should I love? And then Jesus says, hey, 
go and do likewise. Love is an action. Love is not a feeling. Go and do likewise. And that is my encouragement to you, church, to go and do likewise. That is my challenge to you today, to go and do likewise, to love without limits, to love without boundaries, to love people who are difficult to love, to love people who are different than you, to love people who think differently than you, uh, to love people who have a different opinion than you, to love people of a different skin color than you, to love people who have a different political affiliation than you, to love people who have a different religion or background than you, to love without boundaries and to love without limits. I want to encourage you and challenge you even further with Jesus's own words from Matthew chapter 5, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not only love people who are different than you, but love the people that actually don't like you. Uh, to love the people that are against you, to love the people that actually hate you or want to harm you, to love unconditionally, without limitations and without boundaries. And so church, if I can just give you two things, two very practical things that I want to encourage you with is this. Number one, uh, is to really think about how you can love people. How can I love people? Now take these two uh, verses that I'm about to read uh, to you into consideration and actually really cling on to these during this time in our nation's history and in our world. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The second verse I really want you to cling on to is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things, there is no law. So ask yourself the first thing, how can I love? How can I be more patient? How can I be more kind? Uh, how can I bring peace into the situation? How can I be gentle? How can I display self-control? How can I go love people? How can I in practical and real and tangible ways? Man, our world needs love. It is broken and hurting and dark. And God is calling people to relentless and passionate love for others, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they think. How can I love people? How can I be patient? How can I be kind? How can I be gentle? The second thing is before you post something on social media, would you take time to reflect 
especially on these two verses. And think to yourself, uh, what I'm about to post, is it patient? Is it kind? Is it uh, gentle? Am I displaying self-control? Or am I coming across off rude or arrogant or irritable? How am I coming across? Your words matter. Even if you post something, they matter. So reflect on these two verses. Cling on to these two verses during this time. And let's be a church that loves. And let's be a church that loves without limits and without boundaries. Let's be a church that doesn't ask who, but how. Now, church, I want to leave you with this one last thought. Love, it doesn't ask who, but how. And why? Love doesn't ask who, but how and why. It's not about who should I love. It's about how or how I should love people and why I should love people. Why you and I, why we as followers of Christ should love people. Why should we love people? The reason why is because we were once like that man that was robbed, beaten to a pulp, and left for dead. We were robbed of eternal life. We were robbed of joy. We were robbed of peace. We were stripped of our eternal inheritance. We were stripped of our true identity. We were beaten by sin and death. We were beaten by guilt and shame. We were left for dead. If anything, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were spiritually, completely, fully dead. We were that man in this story. But Christ, listen, but Christ, he saw us. But Christ had compassion for us. But Christ went to us. But Christ healed our wounds. But Christ took care of us. But Christ paid our debt. And but Christ sacrificed his very own life to raise us from the dead. But Christ loved us without limits. That's why we should love. And only when we see ourselves as beneficiaries of the good news of Jesus Christ can we actually love like the Good Samaritan. Only when we see ourselves as, as recipients of the love and the compassion and the grace and the mercy and the faithfulness of God, can we then really respond to others with love? Church, Restoration Church, we are a church that loves, that loves unconditionally, that loves because Jesus loved us first. Go and do likewise. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to pay our debt, to heal our wounds, to give us life, to give us freedom, to give us eternal life, to give us a life that is abundant life, who took us out of the pit and saved us. God, we thank you. And I just pray that we would be a church that loves out of the same love that you have given us. That we would love others who are different. That we would love others who hate us. That we would love our enemies and pray for the people that want to harm us. Help us display radical, relentless, limitless love to our world who needs it so bad right now. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. And if you feel led to give, please use the link below as we seek to make a difference in people's lives. Also, please make sure to share this podcast with your friends and your family so they can be encouraged and inspired as they seek Jesus. Again, thank you so much for listening.